Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In this episode of Scale Your Sales podcast, I speak to the CEO of Adverset Communications and its 33-year history, starting way back when she had to, with her father, stage an office as if it was their office and landed their first deal, to now being an advocate of the well-hunting process that has helped them to achieve 10% year-on-year since 2015. Now, you'll remember about well-hunting Barbara Weaver-Smith, who I interviewed a few months ago, is the author of the well hunter. We went on to talk about customer centricity and customer intimacy being the focus of their onboarding process of their clients. And she talked about the difference between customer focus and customer service and how they really focus on anticipating needs rather than reacting to needs and gave us examples of how their organization does this for their customer. You're going to love this. My next guest brings knowledge, experience and success to all aspects of scaling business through integrated marketing communications. Her expertise is shifting perception, enabling her to contribute a strong understanding to the intricacies of today's buyer's needs. Her company, Adverset Communication, represents a consumer and business brands globally. So welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Laurie Jones. It is so nice to be here. And you know what? I just want to be able to say podcasts the way you do. (laughs) By the end of this session, we'll get you speaking. I hope so. (laughs) Just repeat after me. I know. It's so nice to be here. Laurie, now I love your startup story. After 33 years, starting with your father, getting a call back from a potential client, and then having to stage an office uh, in order to hold the meeting, landing your first deal, and that was the start of the company. Absolutely love it. So how much has changed in the entrepreneurship of the organisation that kind of say yes to things and then work out how to do it later? You know, it's so interesting because at, at that stage, we were just doing anything to stay alive, right? <laughs> and and I think what that story illustrates is, is that grit that it takes to really know um, what you need to do to impress your services and your expertise upon someone. And then, you know, from that one business, which was a nice national piece of business, how do we multiply that? 
And then how do we replicate it so that our own team members know what to implement next? So that, all those things are really, you know, what growth has, has done to the agency is more process, more replication, um, you know, bigger whales that we're going after, um, less minnows that we might be fishing for. Um, you know, those sort of things have really been at the crux of how we've grown the, the business over time. But over 33 years, there must have been a time going after whales, you know, you could have a whale that's 50 percent your income. You've got employees and salaries, huge responsibilities. So there must be sometimes when you think, oh, you know, we're playing it a bit too safe because of the, the weight of the responsibilities. Yeah, you know, I, I think that, you know, there, there's one thing that's very true for anyone who is a very visionary disruptor, you know, or an innovator, right? And that's who entrepreneurs are. And, and you can have a lot of those individuals in, you know, enterprise business as well. And that is what are we doing to adapt to change? What are we doing to adapt to um, a pivot that might be happening, happening with a niche that we're in? What are we doing to bring our team up to speed to hire the next individual to grow along with our, our customers? And all of those things take, um, you know, ingenuity. It takes additional process. It takes curiosity. Um, we must be curious in everything that we do because then we begin to grow. We begin to um, always learn. In the 33 years, you've mentioned that twice now, um, 33 years ago, you know, I was a neophyte. My father very early on told me that he did not agree in the word um, expertise or expert because you're constantly growing. So over that 33 years, what have we done to to continue to motivate, to set trends instead of following trends, um, you know, from a marketing standpoint? All those sort of things, I think, are a part of the mix that have really helped us stand the test of time. The business has been around for 43 years. My father was a one-man shop for 10 years before I started uh, with the company. Mm. So what has been your influence? I mean, it's been enormous. But, you know, when you work together and you've got two generations, there must have been some kind of like tug, uh, um, you know, pull and tug on different things, different strengths that, that you you had that has influenced the culture of the, your organization going forward. You know, so my father and I had two very distinct roles. He was our creative director and strategist out of the shoot, and I was drumming up new business and managing um, the accounts. And as we both grew in our expertise, um, you know, very, you know, 10 years in, I became president of the agency, and I was managing the business of the agency along with the accounts. And then, you know, I began to understand the quality need for strategy. Um, so, you know, there was really no tug and pull because we we had two very distinct roles. And that, I think, is one of the reasons why, um, you know, we, we stood the test of time. My father has since then passed. But it's one of the reasons why we never, I can count on one hand the, the disagreements that we had, you know, in, in the 26, 27 years, we worked side by side 10 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And it was because of the roles and responsibilities being clearly defined. And the other thing is I had such deep respect for everything I was learning through him um, and from him. And he was just this wise old owl um, that, you know, people just wanted to listen and grow through. And I, you know, I'd hope to think that now I've become that for a lot of our own team members um, in helping them foster. We, when you've got a culture 
of growth, you need to provide the impetus for people to grow from as well. Um, so it's not just external growth through BizDev and seeing our clients grow. It's what can we do to help our, our own team members grow? How can we instill that curiosity to always turn the next page of a book or always look at the next article or always talk to the next podcast host on something that we can learn and grow through? Excellent. So how has your role changed? You said that, you know, you were looking after the accounts and bringing in the business. Well, now you're you're running the whole organization. You've got all of these talented people below you and you've talked about how you're you're nurturing them. What is the the focus of your role? So I think. um you know, there's it's I'm going to answer that question a couple different ways, because um, I've got my MOM role and I've got my CEO, CEO role and my MOM role is the most important thing that I accomplish each and every day. We've got four incredible kids and that is something that is near and dear to, dear to my heart. So I make sure that that role becomes comes first before anything else. Running the business um, is something, again, that has changed over time. Today, I'm very, very involved in the strategic, strategic development and still biz dev acquisitions, thought leadership for the agency to really raise awareness of this incredible, incredible culture that we have and the amazing solution that we provide um, our clients day in and day out. So like you, I'm you know four, almost 450 episodes into my podcast, and it's that thought leadership that really helps um, the, you know, turn this incredible product that we have marketing solutions into something that is very tangible for our clients and um, a biz dev pipeline for us. Excellent. So we've mentioned the uh, incredible work that you do, but perhaps we can elaborate on that to, um, to explain to the audience what's unique and different about your agency that that enables you to beat some of your competitors? We've worked with over 1,200 entrepreneurial brands in our 43 years. So we specialize in taking that idea and that vision um, that we know is replicable. So they've got an ARR um, that is in the market and bringing it to the next level. So we scale companies, we scale growth for brands. And we do that through a very, very bold approach. We believe that 90% of marketing out there lands in the sea of sameness. What can we do to truly differentiate, not just say this is differentiated, but truly differentiate our brands from their competitors? And we don't just take a look at a direct competitor, are we ask ourselves, are we challenging someone or are we challenging something? And typically what we know works best is developing a new category strategy for the brand. So imagine, you know, 10 different widgets out there um, that help people get more of their, um, you know, to help them get shoes on better in the morning. Okay, let's just make up something crazy. Widget A, B, C, and D all look the same. It's all priced the same. It all, um, you know, has several different similarities. You know, products E and F have some uniqueness. There's points of parity there. You know, it's it's table stakes. What is it going to take for us to get to the table? The point of differentiation is what we focus on. So what is it that is so different about your product and service from a product development standpoint, or a um, a marketing standpoint that will stand out in that crowd. And that's really where we focus brands. And it's tough getting them there. 
It doesn't happen overnight because most people believe that their product is going to sell itself because it's so good. And guess what? It's typically not. And they often believe that their product is unique because mm-hmm. they don't always do the in-depth research. And also, I think asking what's important to the customer isn't necessarily what's the supplier thinks is important. So they're talking about uniqueness that isn't really of value. As you say, it's table space, but it's- What's the customer need? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. Okay, I'd love to talk about um, uh, our common denominator. Uh, I uh, interviewed Barbara Weaver-Smith a few weeks ago, and we're talking about the strategy that she developed, Well Hunters. And I know that you use this and you've used this in order to grow your business and deploy many of your internal programs. So kind of take me back to, you know, where you started with this and how you've you've developed your your Well Hunting strategy. Well, it's something that's certainly ingrained into the DNA of the agency, by the way, as well. I mean, the terminology from whale hunting to minnows to, you know, sharks are, are something that we that everyone uses um, within the, the organization. And to just set the stage, the basic premise behind whale hunting as a sales process is that a whale can, heat a, can feed a village for a year. Those are the big, big pieces of business that we're going after versus a shark that might feed, um, you know, a... a, a um, you know, a company for um, a month. So what can we do to make sure that we're going after the larger the larger pieces of business to ultimately help grow and sustain the agency long-term? So there's three basic premises behind it and it's uh, scouting. So what are the target filters? Who is it that we're going after? It's a lot of ABM sort of approaches when it comes to really going after businesses that should be doing business with you and might not be already. So what do we do to really go after the right size, right fit businesses? And then what do we do to ultimately stay in front of them in a very, very unique way from a marketing standpoint, from a thought leadership standpoint? Um, I, uh, you know, sent, I downloaded an ebook today on a category of information that's going to be very, very interesting to someone that we've been working on landing for about 18 months. And I sent them this ebook. Um, and, and those are the sort of things that we do when we're hunting and scouting and stuff like that. And then ultimately you land the business. What do we do to launch it? Um, and, and onboarding and all those sort of components are very, very important. But without, you know, we have a whale hunting meeting and we go through a dossier every single Wednesday. I just got out of it um, at 10 a.m. And we go through the whale signs. So what is it um, that could be interesting to, you know, to um, prospect A? Um, and we, we, you know, ideate around that a little bit and then we go execute it. So it truly is part of the DNA. It's a great, great book. It's a great process. I've actually been trained in whale hunting. We, in some situations, train our clients in whale hunting. Because no marketing is going to do the job of a salesperson unless they're working together in unison. Um, so if if a client is still very early stage and they don't have a great sales process in place, we'll start out um, with that sales training for them to make sure um, that ultimately we can launch the marketing in a successful way. Fantastic. Um, so <clears throat> speak to me about, uh, is it Raccoor? an organization you you worked with that got acquired? Yes. So Rocor is an aviation, I'm sorry, an aerospace um, business that we started with very, very early on. And um, 
what was important to that brand is they're developing very unique solutions, never before seen engineering feats um, that we're launching into space. Uh, so the goal was just to get in front of 20 or 30 key stakeholders and in a very, very different way. Um, so again, we took a very, very bold approach to them um, from a messaging standpoint. We knew that you know, the 30, 40 different layers of approval from NASA was a thing of the past. And what could we do to change the landscape of thought process and decision-making with commercialization of space, quite frankly. So some of the words um, and messaging that we came up with was old space, new tricks. Um, and it ultimately ended up being very unique. Um, we deployed it across 20 different um, tactical um, programs, including PR, thought leadership, marketing, trade show, um, you know, sales aids for our team members, very, you know, video, all these sort of things um, that ultimately surfaced. I mean, there are hundreds, if not thousands of engineering space companies out there right now. We differentiated them so much from the fray of what everyone was saying and doing, again, in that sea of sameness, that um, there was a conglomerate of uh, a company, you know, buying a bunch of space companies. And we, you know, we got the attention of that company through through the marketing and the incredible work and the incredible feats these engineers, you know, these engineers were doing with many, many large contracts. And it ultimately differentiated in them such a way, um, you know, the P&L was right, you know, all of that. They got purchased. It became a part of a large um, IPO. And, um, you know, the rest is history. I mean, and that's the, that's the type of success story that we are accustomed to achieving uh, with the work that we do here at Avocet. I mean, I wonder if you take shares in these these companies, really, because, uh, you know, you. the work you do, I bet you think, oh. Yeah, we wish. think twice about that for sure. We've been asked so many times, and it's usually that person coming to us with, you know, their tail between their legs because they thought the product would sell itself. They don't have any money. And they always say, we don't have any money. Will you, you know, will you take shares? And my response is, okay, what's your ARR? Well, we don't have any. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm, you know. Unfortunately, we're going to have to turn you down, but, but I'm always going to be a phone call away for you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was not the case of Rocor. They were smart enough to know yeah. that they should pay for the services. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. I'd love to just um, switch it up and talk uh, a little bit more about the customer side. Mm -hmm. And I'm very much of the opinion that buyer experience, which leads into customer experience has a direct impact on, on sales. And I, you know, but there is a lot of organizations that are internally focused in their sales. And I understand that this isn't you, but you will be speaking to a lot of your customers or some of your customers that tend to have that type of sales operation. And you're trying to, you know, um, move them in a, in a different di direction. So talk to me about your views on you know, the extent that customer experience um, has has on sales and what you talk to your your customers about. You know, it's very interesting. There's uh, when we are taking our clients through our own, I'm going to answer that from a general standpoint, then get into specifics. When we're taking our clients through our strategic development process, um, typically what we find is that people hang their hat on too many elements and it confuses the buyer through the buyer process. So we like to focus in um, innovation, customer centricity, um, price, 
And, uh, oh, there's one I'm forgetting right now. This is, uh, I, it will come to me in, in a minute. Yeah. And what we find, we always say you need to pick two of these. Um, and the reason why you want to pick two is because if you focus on all of the quality, price, innovation, and customer centricity, if you focus on all of it, you're not going to stand out enough from that sea of sameness. So our agency focuses on customer centricity and quality because innovation has to be there, right? So it's expected. We're always coming up with brilliant ideas to help clients sell more often to more people. So that's an expected component. So what we have determined with customer centricity is that we must focus on the customer instead of just serve them. There's a big difference between customer focus and customer service. So our onboarding process to begin with is very, very unique and really getting into to know people on a very personal level. We take the personal insights that we learn and build a dossier on each customer, their kids' names, um, their birth dates, what activities are they're involved in, all these sort of things. So when a birthday comes up, we send that customer a gift on behalf of their child for their child's birthday. I mean, just very, very unique approaches to customer centricity that are personal. Then take a look at that from a business standpoint. Um, every Monday, um, our clients receive from us a weekly on deck. What is on deck for the week so that they know that we're ahead of the game. They don't need to be calling us and asking questions. We're, so we are anticipating their need instead of reacting to their need. Now, we handle a lot of crisis comms. That's a totally different reactionary component. But they know that we're at the ready because we're reachable 24-7, 365 days a year. So no matter what, they feel comfortable in that kind of a situation. Um, it's it's you know the from a communication standpoint, making sure that by sunset every day, we've returned an email, and we may not have the answer, but they know that we're on it and we're looking at it. It's picking up the phone and calling people instead of just emailing or texting. We have a these ten different areas that we focus on in a customer focus um, area. Um, it's on a list. When we do our weekly wins with our whole team at the end of each week, we focus on sharing one of those areas that was a big win for our clients through customer focus, not just reacting. So again, back to something that you asked earlier, it's a part of the DNA, right? So our client, our team members report on it each week um, when we're together as well. Uh, I, I absolutely love that. That's fantastic. There's so many organizations that... Um, what they do for their customers, they don't do for themselves. It, it mm -hmm. doesn't become part of their, their DNA. And I love what you, you, you're you talking about because it's not only the the structure, but it's also the process and the people are all signed up to that. You're all sitting around in meetings and, and, and these things happen, but they're unusual for the customer, aren't they? It's, yeah. uh, it's very unusual for a company to be that proactive so the customer knows I'm on it. I'm looking after you. I'm, I'm here for you. I, I love that. It's absolutely wonderful. Our job is to keep them in a worry-free zone, which is one of our values. Yeah. And you know, how we do that is through customer focus. I say to my VA, your job is to make my job easier. Yep. <laughs> so, I agree. Customer supplier relationship. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> so who is your hero or shero? So it's definitely my father. Uh, you know, he is, I, I, I spoke um, recently, I was honored um, to be inducted into the Boulder County Business Hall of Fame. And um, I had lost my father, you know, a year ahead of that. And 
my speech um, that I gave that day was all about the importance and the psyche of that father-daughter relationship. I was the ugly duckling and I was bullied growing up. I didn't know it was bullying, but I was. And um, my self-esteem was so low. It was incredible. I fought hard. I became a D1 athlete. I fought hard to break through that. Um, but it it was all because both my parents, for the most part, always saying, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. When I entered the workplace with my father, it was like, I don't know that I can. You know, he's so smart. He's so amazing. And he taught me so much and he helped me grow so much as an individual. And he gave me self-confidence that I truly did not know that that I had and that I really needed in order to be even sitting here and talking to you right now. And it is truly because he said, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Um, that in years of saying, Lori, you can do it. Um, and coaching me and rehearsing, you know, big presentations, um, big pitches um, that ultimately helped me believe that I could do it. And I would not be here talking to you today mm. without that force of nature uh, with my father. So to the men listening today, please spend the time with your daughters, um, instilling the strength that you know that they have um, so that they can go to do great things. Wow, that's a powerful message. It really is. And especially we're recording this on International Women's Day. Yay! And, and, uh, and it's such an important message that, you know, there isn't progress. It's not just, it's not about women. It's about us all. And and there are a lot of women that are completely knocked down through the media, through, you know, our educational system, mm-hmm. whatever it, it is. And so in order to address the balance, then it's really important that um, the, the, the men in, invest in their daughters and, and understand that we have a very different experience of life to they, they do. So I think I that's agree. absolutely wonderful of your, your father, but for also for you to be passing that on, especially in this month. So thank you so much. So how can listeners get hold of you? I know they they will, and I really have enjoyed listening to you. Thank you for sharing your experience. Oh, I appreciate that. So my Twitter, you can always private message me through Twitter. It's at Lori Jones, mm-hmm. who was the first Lori Jones to sign up for that, by the way. Um, and then my email address is Lori, L-O-R-I, at avocet, A-V-O-C-E-T, communications.com. All right, I'll put all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and knowledge. I really appreciate you. Thank you very much, Laurie Jones. It's my pleasure, Janice. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.